Shane Talks Log, start eight two zero two two zero five one eight point two two. I'm waiting for the arrival of my colleagues so that we may engage in some interdimensional discussions and have some debates on various states of the Federation. It appears that whatever plot device that was blocking transporters from functioning has now passed and things are working properly again. So allow me to beam in some of my guests. First off, I would like to bring in from the USS Enterprise D, Captain Jason L. Mayer. Welcome to the show, sir. Now, we have two guests coming to us from Deep Space Nine. First being Captain Michael Big Mike Owens. What's going on? Welcome to the show, sir. And now we have our chief medical officer joining us, Benjamin P. Funk Grigsby. Oh, oh. does he know anything about medicine? No, probably not. Why? Why am I in engineering then? Uh, <laughs> Ooh, well, I I don't know. Uh, I thought you were training under Doctor Bashir at the moment, so I uh, I may have gotten my uh, my information incorrect. Oh, no, he kicked me off. Okay, to, all right. Well, I had to catch welcome. a ride to Earth for some chicken. That's why I, I, I wanted some chicken. <laughs> welcome to the show, guys. I am so excited to have you guys on here. A little history about this. At the end of our Star Trek, Star Wars episode, I accidentally said, thanks for listening to our Star Trek episode, completely ruining my credit uh, for either franchise. Mm. So then I tried to pitch Jason on doing a Star Trek episode, and he was like, man, it's not like my favorite thing to talk about. So I said, what if... I get two of my huge Trekkie buddies to join us. And he was like, that sounds like fun. So I am so happy to have you guys joining us tonight because we have so much content to talk about. This will probably be the longest episode ever in the history of Shane Talks because we have 13 different films to discuss. We have 842 episodes of television, over 42 seasons and 12 different shows. Buckle up. We have a lot to talk about. No, actually, I'm totally kidding. There is absolutely no way we're going to spend that much time talking about that much stuff. We're really just going to hit on the big stuff that we actually care about. So first up, the original series. Um, I have a couple of uh, VHS tapes here. I have the Menagerie Parts 1 and 2, the original pilot for the show on VHS. I've got the Mirror Mirror episode, the first time that we saw the Mirror Universe in Star Trek. And then finally, I've got the Trouble with Tribbles episode, just because it's a fun one. So truth be told, I didn't have a huge history with Star Trek, the original series. My dad did. He liked it. It was on a little bit when I was a kid. Some of the movies I saw more than the TV show. I remember uh, the, the earworms getting put in in Wrath of Khan. I remember the dolphins in episode four. Uh, those are really like the biggest things that I have memories from the original cast and series what, what about you big mike where 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 does the original series lie in your childhood yeah so let's i'll be honest about the original live action series and that i think historically i find it to be kind of mega trash like okay. i'm not really i'm not really a huge fan of it um i can i just didn't really grow up watching it i i saw some episodes here and there but for me it was really which is this is more mega trash and i think we're talking about this later but i remember watching the animated series a lot on nickelodeon <laughs> when i was a kid um and i thought that was pretty great um, right for me for me it was really the movies it's really right the on. movies kind of started me on 
on things, but the, the original series doesn't really do that much for me as far as the original three seasons. But the right movies, I, the movies hit for me. Uh, P-Funk, what about you? Do you have any episode stuff uh, you yeah, care about? Uh, no, I'm, not, I'm about the same. Uh, my dad was really into the original series. I saw some episodes here and there, but it, what really got me into Star Trek and the original series, at least, was you know the search for whales because. Yep. Yeah, movie of all time. So, yep. oh yeah, I may have said dolphins. That's yeah, whales is what I was thinking of. I yeah. apologize. That's what no. I meant. Yeah, but no, yeah, that's uh, had time travel. Yep, had a lot of comedic aspects that weren't, you know, prevalent in a lot of the the TV series. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, I can watch them. I go back and I watch every now and then, but there's nothing that really jumps out at me as like, oh, this is an amazing episode. It's just. For sure. The uh, the Trouble with Tribbles episode I really enjoy from the original series just simply for the Deep Space Nine episode where right, they actually right. cut in with the original footage from that. Right. Uh, cool. I thought that, thought that was pretty cool. Mayor, how about yeah. you? Any original uh, TV show, movies, that time frame that like sticks with you? Um, I can tell you that I remember... Uh... <laughs> I remember my parents telling me I cried when Spock died in episode. Oh wow! Two. Um, Who didn't? Uh, <laughs> um, Monsters. Besides that, as far as the <laughs> TV, as far as the TV show, the only episode I can remember from the original uh, series was the Trouble with Tribbles episode. It was one that my parents bought, like the specific VHS that only had that it, that copy on it, and uh, yep, that right there. That's the That's only wild. one that they purchased. It's the only one that we had in the house. Uh, but both of my parents were huge Star Trek fans, like it's from awesome. the original series originally. So, I, I remember watching, like I remember Captain Pike being in the chair, like sure. in his in his in his his cocoon chair mm-hmm. in some type of like tribunal, mm-hmm. like whatever that episode that was. That was um, the Glass Menagerie, I believe. Maybe. Um, and I remember the episode where um, what I thought was the probe from Star Trek Four, but it wasn't the probe from Star Trek Four. It looked like, but it looked like a giant tube with a hole in it um, mm-hmm. was attacking the ship somehow. I don't know. It, uh, I think that was was that the one where the Defiant disappeared. It could have been. Yeah, because that that actually, yeah. I think we'll, we'll if we get to Enterprise, we talk about the Defiant. And Mary Universe later on because that's mm-hmm. that 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 part was pretty rad. But yeah, the original series is kind of yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously a big pop culture thing, and there's sure you know things you'll see in memes and stuff like that that are like, yep, I I know that him fighting the Gorn, Kirk fighting the Gorn, yeah. and yep, with the phallic uh, object in that one episode. Uh, that's gonna oh, and Kirk, you know, Kirk's first on-screen kiss with a green woman, mm-hmm. which was you know that was a big deal back then. Like the fact that it was a white guy kissing somebody who wasn't white, like it was not a green woman. It was a hoorah. Damn it! Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a hoorah. Like that was the uh, one. Yeah, that, it's like, not green. Yeah. No, no, no. I no, get you, no. I, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was a big deal about him kissing an alien on the show or something like that. No, 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 You're right. I do remember hoorah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, hoorah. Um, she, but yeah. So like, uh, you know, um, who was it that I was just re? I just saw this not too long ago. Like fun trivia. Like somebody funded this. The really? pilot episode that uh, that ended up like Gene Roddenberry wanted to do it, but like they couldn't find the funding for it right away. So it then it ended up being probably Lucille Ball. 
Yes, yeah, the, the ball that is correct. That is correct. Ball was very uh, important in you know the start of Star Trek. She kind of nice got it going. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why you're on the show, Ben. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I thought was kind of cool about the original was like it was something that couldn't be greenlit. Then Lucille Ball got behind it, and then mm-hmm. like they were trying to break as many barriers as possible with it. So I, you know, cool. while we might not enjoy it as much as all the other Star Trek stuff that we might have gotten, um, it definitely you know paved the way for us. So for sure, yeah, I mean, and I without. It, it it became obviously, I don't know how many damn shows there are. You'll probably yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot. It's a, yeah. Star Trek did a lot. I think it was, you know, that if you if you, you kind of read about the history and kind of the legend of that, it got canceled season three, then kind of hit yep. back in in syndication, and then somebody got a movie funded, and then there it went right. So. Yep. Uh, as far as the original series goes, a couple other things I have to say. Obviously, like I've gone back and watched the con episodes a few times, mostly like right before Into Darkness came out and whatnot. Like, wanted to go back and watch his episodes and then the second film. Um, so that was one of the things that more recently I had more experience with the original series. And then the one thing about the movies when I was a kid, I remember the third film pissed me off. Because I refuse to believe that Doc Brown could be a bad guy in any way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that really, also, really upset me. It's also not a great movie. Not it's, at all. It's it's a great, like, 40 minutes of a movie, maybe. Um, you know, when they steal the Enterprise and and blow it up and then it crashes into the Genesis planet. Like, I thought that was pretty cool. But the sure. rest of it's not great. No. Uh, I, I think I think the logic with Star Wars or Star Trek is the fact that episode... Uh, two, four, and six are the good ones. The even numbered ones it used to be an even number thing. Yeah. 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 So I, it even kind of carries over into the next gen movies, um, with first contact being better than sure. generations. See, but I still do love generations also. So we can so we can segue now. Generations. We're, we're but, going but into the next I'm not generation. It's a bad movie. Hold okay. on, hold on, hold on. But I want to say this out loud and embarrass myself. When I was a kid, I re for some reason. Because I didn't know how trash it was when I was a kid. I love Star Trek Five. It's not a good movie, but here's what I tell you that it had: it had rocket boots. Yes, it did. Yep. Okay. That's the one that starts boots. with the camp that, with camping, right? Camping. Yep. Right. It had rocket boots, and I was keep in mind I was young, but it had semi-naked Uhura name. Truth. Truth. Okay, like dancing with some leaves or peacock feathers or some True. shit, right? Um, and I remember having like the official Marvel Comics adaptation of the movie. Like I had the comic book, and I would read it all the time, right? And I don't, I can't remember if the comic book actually had the rock monster in it that got cut out, but there was supposed to be a rock monster in that movie, and you just didn't, you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I, I assume that's putting Galaxy Quest. For that's us. what I was about they to did. say. Yeah. Yep. They did, they did put it in <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, all right, we move into the next generation now. This is probably the one that, for all four of us, same age demographic, same time in our lives, that we probably became obsessed with Star Trek on our own, not just because of our parents or anything. Uh, in our in our Facebook poll that we put up about everybody's favorite captain of the five originals, Jean Luc Picard crushed it, knocked everything yeah. out of the water. Like this is our friends' age groups. This is our captain. 
Um, I don't have written down how many episodes there was, but I just want you guys to talk about all of you guys voted for Picard. No, you didn't. Just Jason voted for Picard. You guys voted for Cisco. We'll get to that in a second. No, I had this all wrong. <laughs> None of you Cisco. voted for Picard. I should probably read my own notes. Nobody voted Cisco. for Picard. You want me to but tell up? me what tell me what you do like about Picard. He's great. Like exactly, you know, it's 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 not like I don't like Picard. I love sure. Picard. Like I, you know, obviously when they announced a new show focused on him, I was thrilled for it to happen. Um, so I love Picard. You know, I think he's uh, he had an interesting start. Although, you know, I when I I look back at how he started in Next Generation, and he kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of kind of how Mal Reynolds started in oh, Firefly. Sure. Although. Obviously, Mal had 13 episodes and Picard had <laughs> 170 or some shit. 178. Um, okay, there you go. All right. Yep. I, was interested. I was that close. But yep. um, he started He started kind of as a curmudgeon. Like, he didn't really... He was kind of an a-hole. Yep. Um, and Mal was an a-hole in kind of the first episode and then kind of found his way. But, um, no, I think he... He was... Uh, he's one of my space dads. Nice. I, 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 like I, I think of him as like a space dad when I was a kid because he was... Um, a good leadership role model. I had a couple space dads, him and Cisco, and then I had a robot dad, and that was Optimus Prime. I love that. Yep. <laughs> of course. But um, no, he had, he had good qualities. Roll out. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Picard had good qualities. He was a solid dude. Um, he was a French guy who spoke with a British accent. That didn't make any sense. Um, but, uh, and he made, I think people have forgotten what he did for bald men. Oh, sure. Good point. You had, like you had Kojak back in the day, though, man. Nobody was watching Kojak. All right. Tell me some I've never seen cool. an episode of Kojak. Nobody's watching Kojak. <laughs> nope. Ben, what are your thoughts on Picard, man? Uh, just always look back. Uh, like Mike said, he had a rocky start in the first season or two. Um, but I think as a leader, I really respected him. Uh, some of the best episodes of Next Generation kind of delved into his character Mm -hmm. as a little bit deeper than that shell that he, you know, exposed as the captain. Uh, Tapestries is an amazing episode that kind of goes back to what, how he became the way he became and why. Um, But he was very professional, just really dedicated to his crew. Um, Just an overall good captain. Uh, What was the name of the episode? Ben, you're better at episode names than me, but what was the name of the episode where he, lived his entire life on that planet on the planet that had no ozone i yeah. have no idea what that's called and i remember was, that oh, episode though lifeboat something like that or um it was it was basically what happened it was like a time capsule the mm-hmm. planet had died and so he like lived his entire life in that planet in, a, in mm-hmm. a few minutes or a few hours so he had the history of the that that planet in his mind and could experience that and it was just you talk about like Picard character study episodes. Yep. It was yep. really, really good. Really yep. good. Jason, you got any Picard stuff that sticks out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I it was a really tough choice for me between you know uh, by not picking Picard for me because mm-hmm. he is a pretty much a badass. So uh, what I always liked about him was like he definitely he <laughs> he seemed like the stern teacher like you know like i don't know like his his just delivery and everything was just very 
I, I don't know. Cause I see like, I see Benjamin Cisco as like the, the badass Dean who's going to put everybody in their place almost. And then mm-hmm. I like Picard's like the, I'm going to teach you and lead you on the right path with it, like with an iron fist kind of thing. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. And I always thought of like Captain, uh, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Janeway? Are we all Kirk we... Janeway? No, Kirk. Kirk. My pro my my the funny thing about Kirk is he's always been like that pretty boy, like the the pretty boy, like frat guy, like who is like kind of popular and 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 I don't know. So it's just this weird dynamic of seeing how different the captains are. And uh, but like Picard is just was always super, super solid. And you and you you can see why anybody would follow him as far as directions go and like want to do whatever they could for him. So. For sure. Uh, throughout the course of the next generation, my absolute favorite villain is Q, mm. who mm. we meet in the pilot episode of the next generation and then goes on to torment Jean-Luc. I want to say it's like six times through the next generation. One, two, three, four, five, six, six times in the next generation, including the finale, which was all good things, which I literally think is one of the best pieces of television ever created. Um jumping through time having picard experience the different uh major events that are going on what what do you what are you saying jason mm-hmm. oh yeah it, it deals with time travel non-linear storytelling like non-linear storytelling all and I, shane's all about it's the best thing that was ever on tv yeah i mean as far as star trek goes like star trek <laughs> episodes i think it's oh. pretty amazing I, I have mean, never but no, known uh, that Shane loved Nomulus. I've never, I've never known that. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, so I do. And so Q, I absolutely love. I think he's one of the greatest uh, antagonistic characters ever put on television. Uh, and him and Picard's dynamic is phenomenal. Uh, not to jump ahead, but I was extremely disappointed in his use uh, in season two of Picard. Um did not care for how they decided to wrap up their stories together. But as far as all good things goes, like that was an amazing finale for their, you know, six different times that they ran into each other. Um, when we, I Go ahead. I, just can we, so unless it's like critical to us having this discussion, can we not spoil what happened at the end of Picard season two? Cause I ain't there yet. Oh, we definitely can avoid spoiling stuff like that. I sincerely apologize for that. No, no, no. I, you didn't. You didn't spoil it at all. I okay. just know that it's not really well liked, so it probably isn't going to be well discussed. Like you're not the only person who apparently doesn't like the season, right? So um, it's, it didn't seem to be very well received. But I'll get there. I mean, there there are some things that I really enjoyed from this season. Sadly, just the the Q part of this season, I didn't enjoy what they did with it. So. Yeah. There are some other things that I thought were really well done in, in the in the newest season, but we definitely do not need to spoil any of when once we get to the more recent Paramount Plus shows, definitely feel like we don't need to spoil any of those. These things we're talking about now are 20 years old, so I have no problem talking about spoilery stuff for if you haven't watched it in 20 years and you're listening to this, you're probably not going to. Yeah, so um, we did an antagonists poll. Uh, obviously, Q is who uh, I consider my greatest antagonist. Uh, let's see, Mike, uh, you and Samir both voted for Lore. Tell me what you love about Lore. Ah, Samir, that's a good looking dude right there. <laughs> that's a good, I hope he's, if you're watching this. All right. Um, Lore is, the what's interesting about Lore is that <laughs> Lore ended up doing a lot of things wrong, but Lore 
it's it almost like he didn't do anything wrong. Like, so all, all lore is is like a kid with a really shit dad. <laughs> okay. like, like if you think about it, he's just a, like a really shitty dad. And so data doesn't have emotions because he didn't have an emotion chip. So he didn't he didn't need any type of development or guidance in in terms of how he feels and how he acts upon how he feels. Laura needed that, didn't get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what happened, all that all, all that really happened to Lore is the same shit that happened to Data. It's just that Laura had emotion shit. So soon built both of them. And the little village or whatever they lived in thought he was thought Lore was creepy as shit. And they thought Data was creepy as shit too, but Data didn't feel anything about it. So it didn't shape him move into a bad direction. They thought Lore was creepy as shit. They treated him like shit. Lore was kind of shaped by that. And that's kind of what fucked him up. Um, True. But I like him because he, I thought he was kind of hilarious. Um, sure. He was super dark and it was, and, and Brent Spiner is very good at playing lots of different characters. Like he's mm-hmm. in, the, in the things you see him in, he's very, so I thought he played that character very, very well. Um, and the dude brought back the board. That is true. And that is by the way, true. He freed him. Lord, yeah, kind of really freed the board. Sure, yeah, from a certain point of view. Kyle, you might be like a little bit of a freedom fighter there, that Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like he kind of just absorbed some into his group, uh, and he was going to use them for his means. I wouldn't necessarily say they were free to pursue their own endeavors. I can I can definitely believe believe that argument as well. Uh, on the antagonistic poll, our other next generation character, uh, Jason, you and Steve Brown both voted on the Borg Queen. What do you love about the Borg Queen? Mm. Other than the fact that she is pretty hot for like an alien space robot chick. Which one? <laughs> uh, Alice Krieg's version, I assume. Okay. Uh, I, definitely the movie version. Like she just is super creepy and weird and somewhat turns you on at the same time it's just a very strange weird dynamic that goes on with that character for me it really uh, is because like, yeah I, I would yeah it's one of those things where i'm like why am i turned on by this android who's like killing people like yeah that doesn't make a whole lot of sense you know what else doesn't make sense is like that the borg have a queen like to me like it seemed more plausible that it was like because she definitely had emotion and other things going on whereas like none of the other Borg did so it was like I don't know I always just thought it was an intriguing character and it's by far my favorite of all the Star Trek movies is um first or first contact yeah sorry yeah and and yeah just the her dynamic and and it's almost like she's she has this jonesing for picard for some strain and maybe mm-hmm. it's because he got away from her or something i don't know because we've all had that one girl or guy who gets away <laughs> and then we're like what the fuck like i would take I, in a second that makes no sense whatsoever even afterwards but she's, uh yeah. she's interesting like i i when i think about the board queen and i don't know if this was ever written in a book or in a comic or anything like that but I always felt like the Borg Queen was a result of Locutus. Like in a Ooh. result of like the Borg, the Borg created Locutus to have to be more of a bridge to humanity. Right? Okay. And I it, it always felt like to me that some of the qualities, some of the qualities they got from their experience with a more more 
kind of a, a board drone that was more individual and had more got more influence from the organic is kind of what drove the creation of the board queen. That's how I felt about it. I have no idea if that was written in canon anymore. That's a great theory. I don't know if that's anything, yeah, but you know, awesome. I'm with Jason on, she never really made sense. It was kind of something right. they created just for story plot purposes, but that wasn't the intention of the board. So I do like how you may look at, how you look at it where it's like, you know, because they do absorb uh, from other cultures and, sure. and civilizations. So he was a good leader. And so they decided they needed a good leader as well. That makes, mm -hmm. that makes yeah. yeah, I definitely like that idea. It's very cool. Uh, ben, we'll get to your antagonist in our next section, but uh, I just want to touch on the fact that Generations, we talked about it a second ago. Uh, first Star Trek movie I remember seeing in the theater. I would have been 14 when it came out. Um, I love. I enjoyed the the story that they told that gapped the two, the original uh, with Kirk disappearing, and then brought in Malcolm McDowell, and then had Picard and the like next generation cast that we all knew. Uh, I understand it's not the greatest, especially like Jason has said, First Contact is far superior, and I agree with that statement. But it still has kind of a special place for me, being like that first next generation movie, me seeing it in the theater and its connection to Kirk and whatnot. Do you guys do you guys care about it at all or do you guys not like it? I love it. Okay. It doesn't mean it's good. Right. I, yes. I, I love I'll generations. You, cool. Hey, I'll give you that. I watch it. It's definitely up there. As far as if we're gonna group all the Star Trek movies, it's definitely, you know, top four. Sure. Top so five. out of so out of the the four next generation movies, does everybody agree the first contract, first contact is the best out of those? Yeah, I would agree. That's my vote. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah, but they, so they crashed the whole enterprise. Like, yeah. they, like not just like it was like the a comet in the sky. Like the yeah. saucer crashed. Yep. Uh, Will Riker got knocked out of his chair and then got back in his chair. Yeah. And then they yeah. get knocked out of it again while it was crashing. Like it was awesome. The yeah. bridge, the bridge shattered. Glass. Yeah. That's not glass yeah. above you. <laughs> Should not shatter. We all know it's transparent aluminum. Scotty <laughs> went back in time and gave the formula to some shifty ass motherfuckers. That is, that is, that is, that is. is how that works. That Does is how that yeah. I um I, the first movie that I saw from Star Trek in the theater was probably I I know I saw five in the theater. I think um, I did too. I think I did too. And yeah, growing up with parents who were big sci-fi fans, I, you know, we definitely saw a lot of sci-fi in the house or at movie theaters too. So I know, I know I saw five and six at the theater generations. I saw at Clearwater where I uh, saw it and uh, I saw it opening weekend because uh, it was my birthday weekend that year. And nice. uh, I was like super pumped to go see it. And that was kind of like, like, me and some guys were all going to crash in my house that night. So Mike, my brother, Mike drove us up there and we watched the movie and then we're like crashing afterwards. So, but uh, yeah, I, I just remember seeing it opening weekend. I think it was the Saturday and, um, and yeah, I just generations is a whole lot of fun for me knowing as little as I did about the original star Trek and then how much I loved the TNG, like, mm -hmm for it to come and collide together was just a really awesome moment to, to do the handoff. Yeah, for sure. Say, hey, this is your, take this now, go. So. I it's, it's just, th that movie is, is excellent, but it's so imperfect. Like I think um, there's, 
the Duras sisters are just in it. Mm-hmm. Like they just they're just there. They're just like, oh, Soren found the Duras sisters and they got a they got one this little shitty bird of prey. Like yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all right, that was weird to me. It was cool to see him, <laughs> but it was like sure. it didn't make any sense. It wasn't really explained like and honestly, they weren't like, oh, it's the Duras sisters. No. They pop them on the screen and Picard's like, so girls. <laughs> it's basically what he says. Yeah. Um, Lursal and Bator. Oh, Sounds, I'll go with it, Ben. Um, sure. Yeah, so it, it was, that was kind of random. I don't think the Kirk-Picard team up worked. It really, it didn't really work for me in the end. Um, I think the beginning where Kirk saves the Enterprise B. Mm-hmm. Um, so old dude from um, Ferris Bueller doesn't lose his ship on the first day. Oh yeah, that's um, the one he's in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, when he said like, if they would have, if that was the end of Kirk, that would have also worked. I think. Okay. I think so. Yeah. That yeah, would have yeah. also worked. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, 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 it's it's not perfect. But I will still watch it. I will absolutely still watch Generations, and it's great. I mean. Data cussing right before the ship crashes <laughs> is excellent. That was one of the best things they did in that series was put an emotion ship in him because um, I thought that worked very well for many of those films. Was Generations the first time that Jordy didn't have his visor? Did he have the implants in Generations no. or was it the next he had movie? visor in Generations. Okay, first so it was his contact. first contact. Okay, I couldn't remember. Uh, All right, so let's go ahead and move on to Deep Space Nine now. Uh, I know Mike and I have recently had a a conversation online about uh, very similar experiences with Deep Space Nine. Um, I watched The Next Generation with my dad religiously, loved it, loved all of it. When Deep Space Nine started and my dad started watching that one, at 14, I just could not get, or 13 or 14, uh, I couldn't get into the politics of it. I didn't enjoy it. They weren't out on a spaceship, you know, Mm -hmm. meeting aliens every week, like, I just, I, I lasted maybe the first season with my dad. And then I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't care about it. In 2013, I went on a, a rewatch where I rewatched all of the next generation, all of deep space nine and all of Voyager over like a nine month period. And during that rewatch, I absolutely fell in love with deep space nine as a 33 year old adult watching it was vastly different than what I remembered when I was a teenager. And the the and you know i've i've never been a political person i don't really care about politics but the way it was handled on that show as an adult i appreciated it and enjoyed it far more than the teenage version of myself ever did uh so mike i know you said you had a a similar rewatching situation recently yeah i watched it um well hell i got grounded from work like now i'm in a hotel but there was (laughs) a three or four month period where i we we didn't travel during the pandemic because uh, my boss freaked out because I was the one who got COVID. I was uh, the most COVID conscious of everybody. And suddenly I had COVID. He's like, oh, no, we <laughs> if you get COVID, anybody can get it. Um, so I, I basically watched, I didn't watch Next Gen again, but I watched every other one of those. So I watched ES9, I watched Voyager, I watched Enterprise again. Nice. Um, ooh, that's hard. That was hard to watch. But um, yeah, D Space Nine hit very, very different for me. I was kind of in the same boat as you. Like, why aren't you going to planets? You got what you, you got one planet and you barely even go to that planet, right? <laughs> yep. um, you know, so you got one planet, you're always around that planet, you don't even go there. Um, yep. But I watched all of it because it was Star Trek. And, but so I didn't really enjoy it that much. I didn't have many fond memories about it outside of, you know, um, you know, 
uh, uh, Ben Cisco Black Dad, right? And sure. so watching that again at 38, it was way different. Like I believe it, it. was it was incredible. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Um, being knowing what I know now, having having walked the world and having met lots of different people, DS9. DS9, and uh, to some extent, Next Generation's got some kind of quote-unquote uh, um, folks that would not be considered to be um, the American norm, right, sure. in there, and uh, and they're, they're all represented well. I think DS9 misses the LGBTQ um, mark a bit, because they should have just, Garrick and Julian should have just but um you know they they didn't but you knew it was there right um but it was interesting and like odo was such a much deeper deeper character Mm -hmm. you as an adult but um yeah like i never when when i first did my rewatch i absolutely hated odo at the beginning because all odo wanted to do was shut down the bar Every episode was him trying to shut down the bar. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's where we go to hang out when we get off work and meet our friends. Why are you shutting down our social place? I think it's season four or five, whichever. Maybe it's the four finale into five where he like meets his people finally. Like that hit me on a weird emotional level that I never thought I'd get to with Odo because of how much I disliked him at the start of the series. Like. By that point, I was like, man, this is a really cool arc for him. He's never known his people and where he came from. And then to learn that they're all kind of assholes was was a very interesting arc to go on. Yeah, they uh, they they turned him human yeah. at that point. And that was very interesting. But yeah, at the beginning of the show, he's just a cop. Yeah, yeah. And he was kind of like, you know. Uh, ben, what are your feelings on Deep Space Nine? Uh, yeah, so uh, similar to you, uh, watched it when I was younger, just couldn't get into it. You know, it was on Fox 59 at mm-hmm. midnight or whatever, on laying in bed, whatever, I'll turn it on. Uh, but no, watching it again, like I had my whole Star Trek rewatch, what was that, a few years ago? A few years, it feels like more recent, but uh, watched DS9 and just am hooked. Um, just the depth of the characters and the depth of the story um compared to the next generation was just i agree i think they delved into a lot more human nature a lot more um xenophobia and all that going into um with the the found the founders and the changelings and all that that whole overarching story was uh really good one of Um, of the other weird things is this is when i did my rewatch i didn't remember in the 90s very many TV shows having a season-long over overarching story. Yeah. And Deep Space Nine definitely ran with that. And when I did my rewatch, I was like, wow, like every episode, like there's a there's a main plot that's going on, but there's always this subtle right. subplot, like with a villain that's like just building their way up, like the religious chick that takes like an entire season to basically become Uber bad. Right. Right. I win, yeah, thank you. Fuck I win. To this day, she cannot be redeemed. There are a lot of characters in in TV, and and she cannot be redeemed. Sorry. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. She's terrible. But yeah, like, just, it was, it was, I had never thought about that with a lot of the shows that I watched in the 90s. It was like, you know, bottle episodes, one and done, one bad Mm -hmm. guy, move on. Like, it wasn't until, like, 
more later in the 2000s where I really realized a lot of shows having an overall arc, but yeah. going back and watching DS9 and realizing it was happening back in the 90s was like, yeah. oh, that's really cool that, that I didn't even catch that. One of the, definitely one of the first shows to do that, and they did it properly where it's not drawn out and that's the only thing they're focusing on. You have sure. your, your bottle episode, but also in the background, this greater event is going on. Um, yeah, and I remember uh, DS9 did it more than any of the Star Treks that I remember where you did bottle episodes where you had two characters that didn't get along and you put them in the same location and they got yeah. trapped. That's yeah. that's a Star Trek trope. You put it two is. characters that don't get along in an elevator in a turbo lift and they're going to be best <laughs> friends for the rest of the series. So that's just how it is. Picard stuck with three kids in a turbo lift. Like, just <laughs> yep. fucking they're best friends life. forever now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jason, what are your uh, what are your experiences with Deep Space Nine? DS Nine was my favorite, man. Like, nice. um, I I got introduced really hardcore. Like, my mom watched uh, TNG all the time, so like I got into Star Trek because of that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like on a more like you know fan level compared to just watching what the original series and the original movies were. Um, but yeah, like something clicked for me even back then for ds9 and awesome. i um yeah like bashir and o'brien and like and i think a lot of it helped with the fact that they brought in like like wharf so i didn't have to feel like it was a complete reboot it was like sure. the, it's just a continuation and then so i've always i always enjoyed war from tng so then i'm sitting here like i just went with it with ds9 and uh yeah like um all the crazy, like, I remember at one point in time watching it going, holy crap, this is really political. Like, like, like it was one of those things that I thought was subtle for a little while, but then I was like, no, no, this is definitely very heavy handed. And it was fine. Um, and it was different and something that I wasn't expecting out of the show. So, um, but yeah, always dug the show, enjoyed it. Um, Cisco's my favorite captain just because he's just like Picard hardly ever showed emotion until like the movies to me. Okay. Like he was very That's even heel. Um, whereas Cisco was like he he had that he had that moment at a moment's notice he could go hot. And it's like I definitely personally can see myself doing that more often than being even keel i definitely can snap quickly and and yeah. but he didn't he he had a cool aspect about him that that was just different than all the other captains which was something that was appreciated for me for that show so well and you knew cisco became a badass the season where he came back with a goatee like well, that was that was, that was the went, sign that was when he went hawk that was when he went hawk. Like he was like he he had tried to stay away from hawk, and then like he came back as hawk. But you know they they established that about they established his pain in the first episode, right? Because they 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 build his character right away mm -hmm. as you know kind of really gr dealing with the loss of his wife, and then that that baton hand. That baton handing moment is one of my favorite things in all of Star Trek in that pilot episode because yeah. they kind of did the baton handing by having the Enterprise docked there so you had some familiar faces to introduce these things. And in that room, you have um, Picard and Cisco, and uh, Cisco literally is explaining to him, you're responsible for my wife's death even though you aren't really, but you are. 
And it's just an awesome moment because like Picard never apologizes for it. Like he was locutus when it happened. So it's not like Picard really is responsible, but he never apologizes to Cisco for it. And Cisco's just kind of like, I spoke my piece and I said what I needed to say, and you and I are still okay. And I just I absolutely love that interaction between the two of them. Yeah, I think um I think what's great about and, and by the way. Let me let me let me organize my thoughts right. I yeah. think what's really Ben Cisco is really great. I think it's watching it as an adult and seeing um, Black Fatherhood. Like I can't. I don't think there is a greater representation of Black Fatherhood on television. And maybe there's been more of that in recent TV. But um, for me, Ben Cisco and Jake is it. And you, what's interesting between the two shows, Next Generation also. Had mm-hmm. like some black fatherhood moments with Worf and Alexander, yeah. but yeah, it was like what, like two episodes, three episodes. No, but DS9 really dove kind of directly into that, and it also it also dove in. There was you know, um, oh God, what was the name of the episode where he he ended up back in time in his brain? He he was the writer of the show. He was the writer. I was about to bring that episode up. I was about to oh. look the episode up. I don't know the. But that is the most far beyond the stars. Far beyond the stars. That yep. is the hardest hitting episode of TV, especially Star Trek TV of all time. Yeah, that yeah. is yeah. Uh, that's a heavy, heavy episode. And that you know, right, well, I was going to say kind of along the same lines of what you guys are talking about. One of my favorite episodes of the series is uh, season four, episode two, is called The Visitor. And it deals with uh, Candyman, uh, Tony Todd, plays Jake Sisko in the future. He plays old Jake, who was a writer, which they kind of started developing on the show about Mm -hmm. how he wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how he lost his passion for writing the day his father disappeared. And it's just just one of those amazing storytelling ways where eventually old Jake, like he's being interviewed about his life and how he wrote all these amazing books and then just stopped and quit. And he explains it's because of what happened with my father. Like that, I kind of feel like that did a good job of what you're saying about the black fatherhood stuff also. You know, what's interesting about that is in that episode, Cisco doesn't disappear the way it happened to that Jake, but he still disappears. Yes, exactly. I feel like, I feel like it was a very good. Yep. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. in the pale moonlight, I think that's the episode I'm thinking of. But it's it's um, it's the episode where Garrick murders a dude for Ben Cisco to get the Romulans to join the Dominion War. Oh, it's and, a fake. Yeah, and so in the whole time, like Cisco's like telling the story to if you think he's telling it to somebody, he's telling it to the computer because he can't mm-hmm. tell it to anybody, mm-hmm. and he just he just so badassly resigns himself to go like. Yeah, no, this shit was wrong, but would I do it again? Yeah. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, like, when Shane was talking about the baton handing off from uh, Next Gen to DS9, it kind of started showing the cracks in the Federation, because for Next Gen, it was very ideological. This is, we don't believe in this, this is the future, we don't have inner, you know, we don't fight with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, type of thing unless there's an alien that's taken over somebody's body for Um, sure you know it's so ideal the future is perfect yada 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 and then you go into deep space nine and hand off that baton to be like look you and i kind of have a personal beef um which there wasn't a lot of prior to that 
Um, right. But you know, you know why the realism of what's that? You know why it changed, right? Uh, because Gene Roddenberry was no, because well, because Ron Moore ran the show. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, and then Ron Moore went on to do Battlestar. Battlestar. Galactica, so that makes know, so much sense, right? Because that was, makes so much sense. Battlestar Galactica was just like, what if a bunch of us assholes ended mm-hmm. up in this situation in space? And D Space Nine was very much on the path to that. Yeah, for sure. On I, the path to that. I don't think I ever knew that Ronald Moore. Maybe when I did my rewatch, I saw his name in the credits or something, but I didn't realize mm-hmm. like saying that it makes so much sense that Battlestar and Deep Space Nine like used yeah. a lot of the same plot devices and a lot of the yeah. same conflict amongst its characters to get really well written stuff. That's that's really awesome. Diverse character, very heavy politics, lots of religion. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of, wow. lots of people in space doing the wrong thing, trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ben, we said we'd get to your uh, antagonist yeah. vote. You and Chris Ward both voted for Gold Ducat. Mm-hmm. What do you love about Gold Ducat? He's a deep. He's not just generic villain of the week. Um, True. Like at all. Uh, there are actually episodes where you see that he might not be, or at least he believes he's not as bad as he's portrayed about what mm-hmm. he's done. Um, you can definitely see. He's done some atrocities, done some horrible things, but just in his mind, how he justifies it sure. and how they still have to be diplomatic and stuff the majority of the time is just kind of, it's just an interesting piece on- He's a great character. He's, he's great. just an amazing character. It's just yep. the depth of, that was like the first time you have an antagonist that's not just like, I'll get you Kirk or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's, or the board just like we're out, we're gonna assimilate you. He was a uh, is this guy, you know, for real? And can these things be forgiven? And it, you know, hey, the answer to that question is no. Yeah. No, <laughs> Goldukak cannot be forgiven. He can no, just, no. Yeah. There's no. But there were there were times where it seemed like that they were playing back and forth with the character. He he was more depth more depth of the character than any other that we've had. Kind of crazy. This Ronald Moore, no clue until you mentioned his name. So I was like, oh, let me look it up and see what else he's done, right? Mm -hmm. So he started off in TNG. He did. He wrote the screenplay for Generations. Mm -hmm. He wrote the screenplay for First Contact. Mm -hmm. And uh, he works on DS9. He works on Voyager. He did the story for Mission Impossible 2. Ouch. Oh, um, oh. but he uh he worked on Roswell, he worked on Carnival, uh, then he did uh Battlestar Galactica. Then after that, uh he did uh Caprica. I, I remember hearing Battlestar about spinoff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um after that, there's some other stuff he was he was working on the Star Wars Underworld, which was that series that George Lucas was working on for mm-hmm. before he sold it. Um, he works on Outlander. No, he no Outlander is his show. Oh yeah, developed <laughs> by my fault. Created. He created that bitch. He's rich as hell. And then, <laughs> I and mean, then it was created... it was based on a series of novels, so he didn't create it. He created the show. Created the but show. It, He's rich yeah, it was hell. based on novels. So, but he also created for all mankind. If you guys watched, have you watched, watched that? I haven't. It's good. Is oh, it, dude? It's so great. good. It's great. So, okay. Oh, 
Yeah. It's it and for being on Apple TV and something where they could they did so much cool stuff in that that I wasn't expecting to happen. Yeah. Well, here's here's the thing I've learned over over my life and knowing Big Mike. Big Mike will tell me to watch something. I'll fight him on it for a year or two. I'll finally watch it, and it will be exactly as amazing as he told me it was. That is how all of you did with Battlestar Galactica. God, I told all, like, you should watch Battlestar Galactica. They're like, eh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then Adama gets shot in the chest. <laughs> and I get like a text message every time somebody watches, like, Adama got shot in the chest. And then the next episode, things get rubble blah. I was like, bitch, I had to wait fucking a year. Right? It was just like when fucking Will Riker fired the Fletcher dish at the board cube. All right? <laughs> I watched that shit live and I had to wait a year. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was a cliffhanger and yep. I was 10. <laughs> That's hard. Ten. Fucking <laughs> uh, the last thing to talk about with Deep Space Nine here is, I'm sorry, yeah, Deep Space Nine. Uh, we had a bromance poll that I put up, mm. and all of us on this poll voted correctly because it was it was kind of a softball lob because the best bromance in Star Trek history is Bashir and O'Brien. Oh, and the definitely. reason they're the best is because all they do is go to Quarks and get drunk together and bitch and complain about their significant others or work, or oh, they are the is. most relatable bromance ever. That's correct. They, like, well, I just they absolutely agree. Until uh, they were stuck on, not a turbo lift, but a planet. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, it happens. For yeah. sure. So, got the most votes, rightfully so, because they are the best bromance uh, in, in all of the Star Trek franchise. And both of those actors, decent career. Cole Meany, obviously, did sure. very well after that. Alexander Siddig's been a lot of shit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I saw him in well. something recently, and I, I was continuum? like, holy cow. And I, what's that? Wasn't he in Continuum? Yes, yeah. I think that's what it is. Oh, yeah, I think that's what it was. He was in Continuum. Was in he was in Primeval. He was in Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, so that's Bashir, right? Yeah, yep. Bashir. Yeah, yeah, so he was also in uh, what, Thirteen Bridges? Okay, maybe that's the more recent thing that I saw him in. Yeah, the one the Chris Hemsworth flick. Not Chris Hemsworth. That's it Chris was, Hemsworth. Uh, uh, Isn't that, uh, that Chadwick Boseman? Yeah, 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 Boseman. Oh, Twenty One yeah. Bridges. Twenty One Bridges. Sorry, my fault. Cool. There I couldn't you go. remember, but yeah, Twenty One Bridges. So like he, that was the one where he was like, he was the guy who was paying people he was like the drug lord or something who was paying off cops and then they go in and murder him right so. on yeah no, he's, he's 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 a pretty good dude um all right so those oh we got to move on to voyager uh the fourth, really? the fourth show i really enjoyed voyager on my it's rewatch fine. man it's like fine. it's it's it. pretty cool 172 episodes over seven seasons um I, I enjoyed the concept of anytime you can give me a ragtag group of people like Firefly, I enjoy that concept of people who yeah. don't necessarily get along, but are forced to figure out how they get along. You got the, I don't remember the name of the group that Chakotay was, what's that? The Maquis. The Maquis. Uh, was, uh, was Tom Paris actually undercover with them? Is that what the, if I remember right? Or he actually joined them? I thought he was undercover no, or something. He, he was in a he, he was, was in a brig for something. He was yeah, getting he was okay. prosecuted for something. Yeah, so you know, you've got all these storylines of random people that end up on the same ship at the same time as it decides to get sent off to the Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they become provisional Starfleet officers and like 
I know they got away from it after I think the first season, maybe a little of the second season where they had like the, the McKee and the, and the Starfleet people like butting heads a lot and like, Mm -hmm. Oh, here, we're going to put like two McKee and two Starfleet people together for this episode and show you how they don't get along until they figure out how to get along. I know they eventually got away from that, but like I kind of enjoyed how they built up their, you know, crew of people and whatnot. It was, it was very enjoyable for me on the rewatch, obviously a little cheesier, a little, tongue-in-cheek-ish more than more than when we just got off Deep Space Nine, but I mean, they had a lot of Star Trek shows going on right at the same time in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. So, none of you guys really cared about Voyager too much? I like Voyager. I mean, it's just it's fine. There's a lot of bad stuff in Voyager. There's some good stuff in Voyager. I think um, as much as I like Seven of Nine and Picard, going back and watching her introduction and her characterization in Voyager as a grown ass adult is, mm-hmm. is it's pretty cringy. Yeah, um, I can give you that. But uh, I think Kess was a terrible character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I thought Neelix was great. I thought that I think the Doctor is a really great oh, yeah, Robert Picardo. Show. Yeah, yep. his evolution is pretty great. Um, and I've actually come to really appreciate Janeway. But my because I, I watched it again after I watched these, I was like, oh shit. I do kind of like Janeway. Janeway's um, pretty cool. I, I yeah, will agree. She's, she's pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, the finale where, like, they kind of flash forward to the future and show you, you know, her becoming Admiral and things like that. Kind mm-hmm. of, I I feel like they kind of rushed the finale. I assume they probably knew they were getting canceled okay. after the fourth season. So they were like, yeah. well, I guess we got to get them back. Let's, was it the Borg or somebody that teleported them back? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Warp drive. So, eh, like it, it, it's lower down on my on my list of Star Trek stuff. But still, when I rewatch them, I, I agree. I, I liked Janeway a lot more than I remembered liking her when I yeah. previously watched the show. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. she was a lot of fun. Uh, I like a lot of the characters. Uh, I do like Janeway. I like the Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. As far as it's just the, you know, they're stranded out there, and yet in the first season. There's no way they have that many photon torpedoes. Um, that type of stuff kind of drove me crazy. But there were some amazing episodes. I can't think of the title where they're trapped uh, because Red Foreman uh, is doing <laughs> is trying to reset the timeline for his people to get his civilization yeah. back in power. And oh yeah, that's a great that's a great episode. That that is the best two parter of Voyager. That's a great um, episode. Yeah, I forgot about that. Of, that's one that stands out. So there are a lot of good episodes among a lot of... Uh, I like the characters. I, I feel like our bromance on that one wasn't the greatest with Tom and Harry. I feel like they no, weren't the greatest. And Harry's the only one that never got promoted. And I think by the end, that's just like an in-joke that they just sure. kept yeah. it that way. Yeah, There's no way that otherwise. Mayor, you got anything to say about Voyager? I just thought the uh, honestly, it was it was just kind of blah for me. I remember this was kind of my winding down, like oh well, I don't need to keep watching Star Trek at this point because I wasn't as into it as I was DS Nine and DNG. Um, I do agree with you. The Doctor was kind of a cool, different way to go about things with his mm-hmm. hologram, the hologram self. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool and different. Um, but yeah, I just found myself not enjoying it nearly as much so very understandable so this is kind of where my 
real passion for Star Trek also starts to, to wean off. So some of the later shows, if you guys don't have much to say about it, it's totally understandable. But um, I can talk about it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sam Beckett jumps into Admiral Archer, or Captain Archer, and uh, takes over the Enterprise. And while I didn't watch very much Enterprise, uh, during my rewatch, I tried. And I got through the first couple episodes and just I, I didn't care enough to keep going with it. I do know about the finale. I do know how controversial Ugh. it is. Um, how any of you guys actually make it all the way through Enterprise? I have twice. Yeah. I've watched right. it twice. I watched right. it as it aired and I watched it again during my rewatch a couple of years ago. It's and bad. how do you feel about it? It's it's a show that's got like some a decent. I think it's got decent characters in it. Like, I think the characters are actually kind of fine. Um, God, but it's just boring. It's real boring okay. for, like, the first couple of seasons. And then when they start, they start going after the Zindi, mm -hmm. Zindi right? Yeah. It kind of gets, it, I, I thought season four was going real well, yeah. honestly. Like, I thought season four was going really well. They finally figured it out. And then they got canned. Mm -hmm. But those Mirror Universe episodes near the end of, of season four are great. I think they're yeah. just fantastic. And the finale is just a fucking shit show. Yeah. It's just, a, just shit the uh, bed completely. So I, I feel I, like I, you, just, you guys just don't have enough faith of the heart here. Um, <laughs> I've seen, I've watched Enterprise probably at least four times. It has so much potential. Like, I'm going to be good underneath all that it has so much potential could have been and, good and it gets to the fourth season and it starts taking off and yep. all these other trek shows got three or four seasons to get good um and enterprise didn't get that they got canned right as they were starting up and getting going you know i wasn't a huge fan of the zindi the whole zindi arc um but i just thought it brought out a lot of good in the characters and stuff uh they did a lot more with the Andorians than any other Trek is done. Very I really cool. like that. Um, and of course, when and I should know the actor's name right now because he plays every best side character. Oh, Jeffrey Trek. Combs. Yeah, Jeffrey Oh, Jeffrey Combs. Combs. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we get into um, the mirror, the you know mirror universe episodes, those are the best mirror universe episodes of the whole series of all of star trek i think see i'm gonna argue with you on that the mirror universe okay. is something i i forgot to put on the script here for us to talk about but the mirror universe episodes in deep space nine were phenomenal also great like, those also mirror great. those mirror I characters i think enterprise did it better did you all right that's, well i have not watched them so i i but yeah. i really enjoyed the mirror characters mm -hmm. uh in in deep space nine i don't remember mirror universe and voyager no, 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 and I don't remember Mirror Universe in the Next Generation, next other gen than Will Riker. Was that Next Gen? Didn't have any. Didn't have any. Universe. Okay, cool. I... No, that was that was that was um, Thomas Riker, who then showed up on Deep Space Nine. He's pretty cool. Oh, we had pretended yeah, to be Riker Will yeah. Riker. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was pretty rad. That's I what I was thinking about. Of. That. Yep. Transporter accident. Those happen. <laughs> yeah. Another yeah. thing about Voyager, just really quick. Yeah. I just want to say I have not heard the words. Uh, some kind of interference on any other Star Trek show as much as I hear it on Voyager. Oh, we mm -hmm. can't transport them. There's some sort of interference. <laughs> That's not good enough. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, I agree. That was definitely a terrible plot point throughout that throughout that oh, series. Come on. 
But you, it, it's kind of like all those X-Men comic books over the years that all of a sudden there's psychic backlash. So <laughs> Professor X can't do what he normally does. Re- remember when Tom Paris really liked to pretend to be a black and white, like, yeah. serial superhero? And then he oh, yeah. a spaceship. And yep. he, he's like, I'm going to make the, the controls a little bit like Captain, Fo- was it Captain Photon? Captain yes. Photon's yes. spaceship. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> That was really bad. Like, this is fun. So anyway, um, yeah, Enterprise, you're right, though. The Andorians, um, Jeffrey Combs, it was all good. Here's a fun fact about Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Anthony Montgomery, he played Travis, the, the pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I talked to him on the phone. Oh, wow. Out back of Joe's Grill. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did because, that come about? Because Ryan Nally knows him. Oh, wow. Ryan Nally, Indiana, right? He is. He's from Indianapolis. Yeah. So oh. Ryan Nally like went to school with him or whatever. So Nally is, you know, it's late, mm-hmm. right? And so Nally's like, oh, you like Star Trek? You know, I love, I know Anthony Montgomery. He's in a problem. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, I'm gonna call him. I was like, ah, I don't need to <laughs> talk to him right now. He fucking puts the dude on speakerphone, and he's like, it, it, Montgomery's like. Mally, what the fuck do you want? Why are you calling me? That's why I didn't answer the first time. And I was like, this is just hilarious. And it was definitely him. Like That's I recognize awesome. the dude's voice. But yeah, it was it was totally weird. That is that is crazy. Yep. All right. Are we ready to move on to the Kelvin universe? Um, are we? Is anybody ever really ready we, for that? Did we talk about all the next gen movies? Or we just said the first contact was really good and that was it? That was kind um, of the movie. What other what other movies you want to talk about? Yeah, let's more? go. All right. No, I mean, I mean, there's we, there's two more movies we didn't discuss. We didn't because I don't think they're very good. Because they're not, but it doesn't they're mean not they're good. not discussable. Right. Insurrection has its moments. It does. I think both movies have their moments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's, where's the first time you saw Tom Hardy in a film? Yep, in Nemesis. Hmm. Hundred percent. I, I, I didn't show. realize that was Tom Hardy until like. <laughs> what like eight years ago like it was years and years and then somebody was like oh yeah tom hardy was in that and it was after he'd become big again and i was er, and i'm like what i was like no way and then i pulled up pictures and i was like oh shit like yeah that totally was yeah did not compute in my brain at all for sure uh i mean yeah say whatever you want about those two movies what you got uh here's what i want to say yeah i thought um Let's not forget, because there is some good casting in these films. Fucking F. Murray Abraham is an insurrection. He is, you. Yeah. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have much else to say about that film. <laughs> you know, did you guys ever see the um, the alternate ending of that one? No. I don't think so. Think yeah, so. so there's this whole alternate ending where, like, he, he essentially gets on, like, an escape pod or something, and he's going back down towards the planet. And he ends up flying through like the dust or whatever. That he turns like, human it, again, and it starts fixing all of his ailments. Uh, and then he was supposed to like land back on the planet, and they were supposed and, like, to be like welcoming him back and, and stuff. like reunite him with his yeah. people or whatever. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. It, it, and, but it's one of those things wow. where you're like, from a, from a Star Trek point of view, that works perfect for like a television show, but for yeah. a big budget movie that. Would not have gone over well. Now that, that that brother had to die. 
That dude had to die. Now I tell you what, that I, that that shit battle scene in the what do they call that shit? Oh, the Briar Patch. Um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool in the end. But no, that movie overall is not great. No. Yeah. And Nemesis is worse. Yeah. Nemesis is real oh. bad. Nemesis yeah. is pretty bad. Yeah, um, I've only seen it all the way through once. But I guess you can move on to Kelvin Universe. Yeah. Okay. I, one, one, one last thing about yeah. Nemesis. B4. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, never mind. I changed my mind. I don't want to talk about the movies anymore. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the next gen movies anymore. The first I changed two my mind. Great. I forgot. I forgot. The first two were great. It's fine. All right. Moving if on. If it had been lore, if that was lore that they dug up, that would have been hilarious. That would have been awesome. It would have been great. That would have been great. Yeah. But, but I mean, Brent Spider just needed, you know, a couple more days of filming, make a little more money. So in 2009, Mr. J.J. Abrams gave us a reboot of, uh, of Star Trek. And I, honest to God, think that the first one did it perfectly with creating the Kelvin timeline. Again, you're giving me time travel. You're giving me Spock again. And the... The dynamic of, of building Kirk and Spock to not get along in the Kelvin timeline and then Kirk's interaction with, with Leonard Nimoy, where he's like, we were, we were really good friends in my timeline. Like that, I, there's a lot of really good stuff, in my opinion, in the first 2009 Star Trek reboot. Um, Into Darkness is the worst kept secret in all of cinema history that when they tried to convince us that uh, Benedict was playing John Harrington. Harrison. Um, it was John Harrison. Harrison. And just fucking let him play John Harrison. He just should have stayed John Harrison. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I think that I think that could have been a lot better. Um, yeah. Mm. It, there are things in that movie that I enjoy, and Benedict is good in the movie, especially, especially the end when he takes on Admiral uh, Robocop. Um, yeah, I don't know his name either, but I'm just like Peter Weller. Peter, Peter Weller. Peter, Peter Weller like, yeah, I know it's Peter Weller. And I love Peter Weller, and I thought he was great. I, I will he say was, this: there are not very many movies where I go. The sound editing in that it was amazing, but the scene where he puts his thumbs through yeah. Peter Weller's eyes, yeah. the sound effect of that alone was brutal. I thought um, he just smashed his head. I, I feel like it looks like he grabs his head. And puts bones. his thumbs into his eyes. Yeah, you hear bones when he does that. It's pretty. That's pretty rad. Yeah, yeah that that was in that was crazy. And then the third film, I will say, is not the greatest film, but I feel like it was the closest of any Star Trek movie that was more like an episode of the show. I I uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, give me your, give you go. Uh, ben, why don't you go first? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I feel like Beyond was trying more to get it back to its roots. We had the big, um, in the first and second movies, we had the yeah. big battles and the big, which it did end up in big battles, but it just seemed like it was trying to bring us more to the day-to-day, you know, Kirk's drinking his coffee mug and having moments with Bones. Um yeah, I honestly, I loved the movie when I watched it. And now that I'm looking back on it, I can't remember it very okay. much. Um, it's been a while since I've watched it, but. Me, me yeah. too. Uh, I, Mike, you, you're going to know this. Who was it that directed the third movie? 
Justin Lin. Come Justin on, Lin. Alex. That's what that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And I love the fact that he named the ship that they were looking for after his father. Like I thought that yeah. was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, so give me your thoughts on on the three Kelvin films. Yeah, I I think um, the first one is infinitely watchable. Um, I think it's. I can't even. I'm not going to say it's like a perfect film, but I thought it was. I thought it was very well done. Um, I think Into Darkness is problematic as fuck. Um, if you had just not made that con and not made Spock scream instead of Kirk scream, like that shit didn't need to happen. Like it just didn't need to, that movie could have worked well on its own. And I think that Peter Weller plays a great villain. And that's by the way, the second time he's played a Star Trek villain, he was also oh, in Enterprise, right? Really? Yeah. Well, um, here was, my, only, my only problem with that is, but man, the scene when he agrees to send Kirk to go find like where he went off to, it's one of those sad moments where it just, when you watch so many movies and the, the head guy that you're working for sends you somewhere and you just have that feeling that my boss is the bad guy, like it was it was just yeah. so telegraphed in that scene. Well, but the, here's the, you know what the, the real kind of real problem, this is sci-fi nitpicky, mm-hmm. but do you realize that John Harrison, con whatever, killed Christopher Pike with a shuttlecraft and then had a transporter in a duffel bag that transported him to Kronos. Yep. And then and then and then Peter Weller sent a whole ass ship to go find him. Mm-hmm. But they knew where he went. And transporters can go there. <laughs> what you what you need a ship for? Yeah. Yep. So I was yeah. like, that don't make that don't make any fucking sense. It was the first uh, movie where they established that Scotty had invented this uh, transporter that could go over longer distances and yeah, transport true. moving objects. True. So it just didn't. It, that that was weird to me. But I, I think it was bad writing to make scenes work. So it's fine. I, I think. It, I think the sound was great. I think the um, the Scotty running through that big ass ship. Oh yes! Shut down the weapons and shit. It's very funny to me, Um, but I think that movie is very imperfect. I will apparently go against the grain here and talk about Star Trek Beyond and say that it's probably top three, top four of all time Star Trek films. I think Star Trek Beyond is absolutely fantastic. I think it is infinitely rewatchable. I do think it's kind of a waste of Idris Elba, but I think it's um, sure a very, very, very excellent um, Star Trek film. It's definitely to me the best out of the three Kelvin films. Interesting. Currently, um, I think it was. I think it suffered from having the worst fucking trailers of all time. It just looked like um, the Enterprise blows up, and then Captain Kirk rides a dirt bike. That was basically the marketing mm-hmm. for that film. And so I went to watch it. I was like, "Holy shit, that was as good as thought." Um, I love Beyond. I think it's right great. On. I need to watch it again soon. I, I own it digitally. I, I bought it because I liked it enough to buy it, but I yeah. haven't watched it in a while. Uh, Mayor, what about you? What are your Kelvin thoughts? Um, first one is one of those movies that I, the the opening sequence of that film, I cried. I won't lie. Oh, I, it's I excellent. Tears. It's so good, man. So like yes. that opening sequence was beyond amazing. It's one of yeah. those that's up there with Tarzan and up for me as far as like memorable opening moments of film that for a movie that just totally wreck me. And um, but yeah, so they uh, I love the beginning of it. I love the concept of it. I love the way that they reset that timeline. But mm-hmm. 
Uh, there are so many things that just happen by accident and are George Lucas moments in that film. <laughs> I'll give you that. Off. Um, the, the accidental, we're going to transport him to a planet with Scotty where Spock on is. Yeah. <laughs> and then Scotty happens to be there too. <laughs> to send him back to the ship. And yeah. like it, like it was like out of all the planets they could have sent him to, they accidentally sent him to the yeah. one planet that could have fixed everything for him. Um, I don't You're know. You're not wrong. But, uh, that that was one of those things that kind of bugged me about that movie when I watch it over and over, when I've watched it again. But yeah, like overall, very watchable film. Second one, I'll agree with you. Definitely has some moments where you're just like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, um, but um, the third one, I'm gonna, I, I, I hope I own, I'm not, this is not going to be a surprise to Shane. I own the second one and the third one in 3d because they made 3d versions of them. Uh Um, And I love my 3d movies at home. So we, uh, but I haven't seen beyond since the theater and I don't remember a whole lot about it besides the trailer of Kurt riding a dirt bike. And, <laughs> and um, I remember at one point, like they, I remember they turned on, uh, do they turn on the Beastie Boys again? Yeah. Is that what they turn on? Yes. And they're like grabbing a bunch of the mines to like bring them around yeah. and throw them at somebody because, it, but um, I, I'd be, I remember Shane and I watching that one and coming out and going, that wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I wanted. Sure. Um, but so I I wouldn't mind watching it again to see if it's something that I would enjoy more. So now, I will say about Into Darkness though, I absolutely love Noel Clark's character in that movie. As as little bit as we got from him and how important he was to the the opening of the plot, like I, I loved getting to see Mickey in there. Mickey yeah. the idiot. Yeah, Mickey, Mickey the idiot. idiot. Doing dumb uh, shit. As, as far yeah. as Beyond goes, I think that opening where they're possibly corrupting an ancient or a, you know an older civilization awesome. that is the most interesting part of the movie to me agreed you know, i, I, I did enjoy something that. along that right. that's into, that's into darkness right is that is oh that it is yeah. yes it is yes the, that is into the, darkness. the enterprise is hiding on the ocean floor yep that's how far uh removed i am from these movies i guess at this point uh, but yeah that is the most why is the part. enterprise in the ocean it's not it's it can't support the water it's for space there's no that pressure I, but but the transporter can transport it, you it across matter. space I and really, time I, I, my whole point is i really like that even though if it's not a sea bearing vessel so yeah. we're just gonna leave it at that how did it get <laughs> in the ocean and nobody saw it I, okay it's fine <laughs> it's fine i okay Movie it would take some time to actually get under the water and like like mm-hmm. it would mm-hmm. take some, it's not like they've transported to the bottom of the ocean no, they, the entire ship like uh Battlestar Galactica and just FTL right into the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh man, all this oh, Battlestar God. talk is making me want to just rewatch that show now. It was I'm so already, good. I'm already doing it. So, Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I need yeah. to I need to get back on that. So uh Jason, I know you don't have Paramount Plus, so I don't think you've seen any of the new Star Trek series at all, right? Cool. Right. Uh, of all the new series that, that we can uh talk about here, the only one I've watched are the first two seasons of Picard. Or, I'm sorry, the only two seasons of Picard. 
Uh, I haven't done Strange New Worlds. Oh, I'm sorry. I did watch Strange New Worlds first episode this week. I did want to be able to say that I like addressed the fact that I did watch that. And I actually really enjoyed the first episode. That it's was great. really cool. Uh, actually, I watched the first two episodes because they, they dropped two of them this week. So I watched mm-hmm. the first two. Really enjoyed both of them. I am a huge Anson Mount, Anson Mount fan. Uh, back in 2002, he was in a film called Pool Hall Junkies that I loved. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he did that FX show Hell on Wheels where I was like, oh, my God, it's a kid from Pool Hall Junkies who actually looks like a man and has a beard and long hair now. So I enjoyed that. Obviously, he was cool as Black Bolt, uh, all the versions of Black Bolt that we've seen. What's that face did you, for? Did, did you watch Inhumans? So you like the amount of you? You watched the whole show? I did. Respect, because I didn't even do that shit. Uh, it, it's fan. not. It's not good. It's, it's all bad. bad but he's he is probably the best part of it. Him and his brothers, played by the dude from uh, Game of Thrones, uh, yeah. Rio Iowans or whatever I his name is. Hate him. The best yeah. part of that show is Lockjaw. Let's just be honest about <laughs> it. It's Lockjaw, but anyway. But yeah, so I'm a big Anson Mount fan, so that's why I wanted to watch Strange New Worlds this week. I did like those two episodes. I do plan on watching that more. Discovery, unfortunately, I watched the pilot episode, and as Ben talked about earlier, old school Star Trek, you didn't have people butting heads. You had everybody getting along. We all have mutual respect for everybody. So what Sonequa Martin-Green does in that pilot episode to her commanding officer when she basically takes uh, creates mutiny and takes over the ship like i couldn't do it i've heard it gets better from that but but she was right she might be right but that's not what that's not gene roddenberry's star trek there's not conflict like that there isn't ronald d moore star trek i guess so it's and and i've heard i will like it more because i know that anson mount is on season three bro Season two of Discovery is fire. Two, got you. So yeah. someday I'll probably get to it, especially seeing how much I like him on yeah. on Strange New Worlds. So uh, pitch me on Discovery, man. Tell me why I need to watch it. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's not um, season one of Discovery. If it, it depends on what you want. If, if it's uh, it's it. If you want Star Trekky shit. Season one discovery doesn't do a great job of giving that to you. Um, it does more of a job of it's like you ever watch Stargate Universe? Uh watch what? Stargate Universe. Anybody no. watch Stargate Universe here? No. Anyway, so it's like it was a it was a follow-up to Stargate SG1 in Atlantis, and they were like, let's make it great like Valstar Galactica. And it kind of started out really, really weird, but it did get better. Um, discovery starts out dark. Okay. Starts out dark, and um, in season one, I think, is good. Michelle Yeoh is fucking fire. If you haven't sure. seen everything everywhere all at once, you've made a mistake. That but, is on my number one list the next oh, time I go out yeah. to a theater is to watch that movie. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but Discovery, season one, and it's uh, it's got... And, but there's a whole lot of Mirror Universe in it, so I'll just say that. Oh, okay, um, okay. So, uh, and, they, and I think there's... Um, what's great about Discovery is it's very it's very women-led like it's there's dudes on that show but it it really is about the women and there's a there's a specific episode in season two where like and it's near the end but like everything is going to shit and you realize at the end of the episode that it was all the ladies that just fucking wrecked everything and 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 saved the whole fucking ship and all kinds of stuff like that but um so it's it's very very much a a lady-driven show and it's excellent um, in that regard, 
Um, Discovery is good, man. You you got to give it some. You got to give it some 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 consideration. But okay. it is it is fairly dark in season one. Season two opens it up, and I mean okay. you've watched some of Strange New Worlds. It's not as old Star Trekky as Strange New Worlds is, okay. but um, it's more humor. They they go a little bit lighter. Okay. Um, in terms of the storyline, but I think season two is great. Season three was good, and I'm halfway through season four now. Right on. And then Picard. Uh, I know you said you haven't finished Picard, but how how are you enjoying Picard, both season one and two? Uh, season one, I thought was good. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think it's less good if I'm not nostalgic about all of it, but it was good. Sure. Um, I enjoyed it. Season two, I'm having a hard time with it. I, it's it, pretty but I'll, I'll get there. I'll get yeah. there. Yeah. Ben, Bless what are your thoughts? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, as far as you guys know, like you said, I I stopped before any of the Paramount Plus stuff. So is the Kelvin universe or the Kelvin timeline, is that something that's being continued with any of no. the TV shows or is it just its own movie line and that's it? It's all it's all the same universe as the older shows. It's the original prime timeline. Yeah, yeah. Kelvin okay. is just the movies at this point. There hasn't yeah. been any. Just those okay. three films. I do think I saw rumors recently, though, that they're talking about doing a, a TV series set in the Kelvin universe at some point. Well, they need to give oh, us that fourth movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that's supposedly happening soon, too. That's what I heard, yeah. Uh, ben, give me your Paramount Plus uh, shows oh. that you like and don't like and what you do and don't like and if you think I need to watch Discovery. I can't I can't do New Trek. I can't do it. Really? I've tried, I've, I've tried so hard. I can't do it. I don't, oh. I don't like it. I, like I do. It I, I do have a, I, when I, when I started doing research for this episode, I went to my timeline uh, on Facebook and I typed in Star Trek just to see any posts I'd ever made or anything like that. There's at least three interactions between you and I, Ben, where you'd like post a trailer and be like, yep, not interested in this or you're, like, well, you're so, so so I sat there. No, I binged discovery season one. I binged it. I cannot do it. I tried season two. I cannot do it. It's, it's 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 not for me. They don't talk like they they don't speak like human beings speak to each other. It's very. It's not even trekky. They don't speak technically. They just talk in. This is how this feels, and I feel like this. I hold on. Hold it's on. not Star Trek. It's it's Kurtzman BS. No, so are we talking about all the new track? Because we can talk about all of it. Are we talking about all of it? Yeah. I'm talking about all of it. I can get it. It's like I start a season. I'm like, oh, I, I watch an episode or two, and I'm like, oh, I can get into this. And then it just starts dragging. They drag this overarching story. Does this? Are you saying the same thing about Picard? I'm, oh, I'm definitely saying the same thing about Picard. Interesting. How- how have you not watched Lower Decks? It's like the second best Star okay. Trek thing ever made. I haven't made. watched Lower Decks. I haven't watched Lower Decks, and I haven't watched um, Strange uh, Prodigy. Yeah, Prodigy, or the uh, original animated series is now where you can say whatever you want to say about that, Mike. We can oh, move into the cartoons um, now. Well, yeah, so Lower Decks is one of the best things I've ever seen. Really? Uh, Lower Decks is hilarious. It is okay. absolutely hilarious. It's well cast. It's well written. It's Rick and Morty in the next generation timeline is basically what it is interesting you know in terms of that kind of humor lower decks is i think is is absolutely special and excellent um i've not touched prodigy okay um but i do because like i said i've recently really found my way back to janeway and she's in it so um i do prodigy's the one with the kids right who accidentally steal the ship or whatever 
Yep. Yeah, it's on Nickelodeon, I think. I, yep. I don't know. Is it on Nickelodeon? I think it's on Nickelodeon. Um, Sounds right. I haven't watched any of that, um, but I have watched Lower Decks season one. I need to get season two and season three, but I think when Lower Decks hit, I, I thought, wow, this is some of the best Star Trek I've seen. Yeah. I haven't seen Lower Decks, but I will say between Discovery and Picard, I can't do it. I've tried. Interesting. I've tried. I You're wrong. And I just cannot. Well, give give Strange New Worlds your two-episode treatment, because I actually really enjoyed them. Uh, so good. No, and season two of Picard, I got three episodes in, and I was like, this is actually getting good, and then it just kind of fell apart for me. Yeah. It's like the first few episodes of Discovery per season, I've been like, okay. And then it just kind of drops off for me. And I'm like, or, okay, let's get to the end. It just drags so much. Um, I can believe they that. They can't tell. They can't. Michael Burnham was right. What's that? What do you say? <laughs> Michael Burnham was right. She was right in the first episode. Yes. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, right, I got you. There's <laughs> more punishment for that. And it's just, I, I just don't think that's how people in Starfleet act. Very well, understandable. Overall. The there is the, the one of the main plot points of the first season of Discovery is why she's not really held accountable to it. I can't, I don't want to spoil yeah. it because it spoils the season. But yeah, there's yeah. a specific reason why she's not held accountable to it. Um, by that captain, and that is a plot point. Okay, um, all right. So I will, I will, I will definitely try to get through it. So thank you guys for all of the Star Trek talk we've had, but we have something to do before we let you guys go. Mm. Anytime we have a friend on for the first time on the show, and tonight we get to do this twice, uh, we have something called the Hurlwitz Questionnaire. Uh, we've It was originally 17, it was actually originally like 22 questions. I cut it down to 17, and I have since cut it down to just 10 questions because it was just taking a long time to get people's answers. So these aren't for us to discuss or anything like that. I'm just very curious in your answers to some of these questions. Uh, Jason, if you want to start with the odd questions, I will ask the even ones. Uh, Jason will ask the question. Mike will get your answer first, and then Ben will get your answer next. Uh, and then we'll go on to the next question. So, Jason, feel free to start up the Hurwitz Questionnaire. Oh boy. What is the first film you remember seeing on the big screen? On the big screen? Mm hmm. Is this like by ourselves, with our parents? Just with your parents? The first memory you have of a first movie memory. being projected and you were in a theater? The Transformers, the movie. Good one. The 1986 one? Yeah. I awesome. cried 20 minutes in that film. Yeah, definitely. Believe it. Yeah. First one I remember is Fifth Element. Wow. Oh, I keep forgetting you are quite a bit younger than me. I was like, you didn't go to a movie till you were 17? I'm sure I didn't know. I'm sure I did, but that's the first one I remember because... Okay. Hell, I think uh, I saw Ghostbusters 2 in the theater too. That was probably nice. the second one that I can remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Question number two for you guys. What is your favorite film of all time? Oh, what? Your one favorite film, the number one favorite film of all time. It's probably the same answer for you, Mike. It's what I assume. It really isn't. Um, Okay. It's probably The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, wow. Beautiful film. That's awesome. Probably Shawshank. I don't know if it's because it's just that good or if it was on TNT every weekend in the (laughs) 90s when I was in high school. But I do love Shawshank Redemption. That is an amazing answer. Ben, what about you? I'm just going to say The Fifth Element. Okay. Not, not not a wrong answer either. <laughs> Fifth element is excellent. Um, I think it's isn't uh, 
Aren't they doing a 25th anniversary one night in the theater coming up here soon? I believe you're right. July, maybe? But yeah, I think I've seen something about that. Yeah. All right, Jason, question three. What is your favorite line in a film? Shit. Uh, uh, One that says bad motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, God. What is my favorite line in a film? And you don't have to wait if you already have yours. I, I absolutely do not have one. <laughs> oh, your your favorite line isn't from the Fifth Element. I'm I, really I surprised thinking, about that. Multi-pass. I was going to say multi-pass. I can't use it for the same answer for everything. <laughs> Aziz, likes. <laughs> Mike, you know your favorite line is Rodimus Prime. No, I think my favorite line in a movie is from Star Trek Generations. What is that? It is. It is when. Picard and Will Riker are they, they look for Picard's book in the wreckage of the saucer section near the end of the movie. And um it talks about I think Will Riker says something like um she went before her time. And Picard harkens back to a conversation he had with Tol Soren earlier about time being a predator. And so he says that uh, you know, someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all our lives. He said, but I prefer to think of time as a companion um, that, ah, shit, I can't remember. Time is a companion that aids us along our journey. Nice. Um, fuck, I can't remember the actual quote, but. Um, Still good enough. You know, but it's, it's what is important is uh, how we've lived, right? And then Will Riker says, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I, I don't know about you, sir, but I'm going to live forever. <laughs> at the end that's that's one of my favorites god i guess it was the favorite quote i actually know the quote it's okay but i'm I, honestly surprised it wasn't a steve zizu quote i rather believe oh, that time is a companion a, who goes with us on the journey and reminds us to cherish every moment because it will never come again because it'll never come again all right ben multi-pass uh super green Super green. <laughs> <You're so stupid. laughs> uh, so we, I only am bringing this up because we talked about it on one of the episodes recently. Do you know who Ruby Rod was originally written for? Who they wanted to play that character? I actually, don't. Prince. No, I, oh, okay, yeah, I remember hearing yeah. that, but I forget. Yep. And Prince was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. What film made you realize that film is an art? Hmm. What film made me realize that film is an art? Transformers the movie, 1986. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a great question. Better Luck Tomorrow? Better Luck Tomorrow is on that list. That was... Better Luck Tomorrow has made me, like, I saw that movie and that made me dive heavy into watching every independent film I could fucking find. Sure. Um, like, that took me to the Indie Lounge. Oh, nice. And, that's awesome. Um, that's, that's, when I saw that movie, I was like, wow, there's small films out there that are great. Mm-hmm. Um, God, film is art. Fuck, what is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's a great I, choice. I feel like it came before that because that's later on. I started watching film way before that. Sure. Um, 
Terminator Two, you could maybe put on that list. I think you could. I think you could probably. As I as I as I watched RoboCop as I got older, I understood a lot of the messaging and the sure. imagery of RoboCop much more when I got older instead of just a dude in a robot suit that I thought was cool as fuck. For um, sure. So yeah, I mean those kind of films, but RoboCop is is up there for me. I, I love what that film says sure. and what that film does. Um, and a lot of that is imagery and a lot of that is messaging. So maybe RoboCop. Right on. Ben, you got a you got a film that made you realize it was art? Um, I'm not gonna say <laughs> Luke Masson is an amazing uh, director. It is, um, and I, you know, all the the CGI was very advanced for its time, I believe, uh, with the cars and all. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, I can't. For some reason, I can't think of the movie right now. It's uh, Jim Carrey and um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Nice, good. Yeah. I, I was waiting for any other actor or actress. I was going to go with Cable Guy, but mm-hmm. oh, Cable yeah. Guy's good. Cable yes, Guy's a good movie. Yeah, I hate that it is as one... a kid. I feel like I would really yeah. like it now. That's that's what happened with me. It was not yeah. the Jim Carrey movie I wanted. I hated it for a long time. I gave yeah. it a rewatch. Definitely had a different experience. Ben Stiller is a far better director than I ever would have given him credit for before I saw that movie again. Have you watched uh, uh, Severance? Oh, it's so good. Oh, Oh, it's so good. good. Is it? Okay. We've watched Uh, every episode twice already. Another movie that's art for me, Dark City. Oh, yes. And that's another one that I hated for a long time until I worked at a video store and our friend Zach convinced me, you need to watch Dark City again. I don't think you understood it. And when I did, yeah, I was like, wow, this is a lot better than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question five, Jason. What movie do you consider your guilty pleasure? Oh, um, a movie that most people think is bad or hate, but it has a special place for you that you love it. Probably the Life Aquatic. I mean, it's not like, out of out of Wes Anderson's films. It's not by any means his most loved. Right. Um. Uh. So I. I. But I think that movie is absolutely excellent. It for some reason I have a lot of emotional connection to it. I don't know why. Um. Nice. So maybe the Life Aquatic. What's another a guilty pleasure movie? Some shit that's just bad that I really really love. Maybe the Last Samurai. I don't know. Oh God, yeah, that is bad. <laughs> That is terrible. <laughs> P-Funk, what you got? Can I What's your guilty pleasure? Element? No, you can't say <laughs> The Fifth Element because everybody loves that movie. Everybody? I don't know about that. Uh, Hudson Hawk would be a better answer than that. Oh, God, Hudson Hawk. Okay. Yeah, that's one of my guilty pleasures, man. I, I really enjoy Hudson Hawk. Hmm. Did you just pull up your DVD library or I your digital library? And see what I got on there. I don't know. Married an ex murderer. Um, Paddington Bear. Man, I've heard good things about that. Both the first and second one are supposedly really good. I haven't watched yet. I hear it has 100%. Paddington is good. Paddington is good. I need to watch those. Like, I've heard nothing but amazing about both of them. Yeah. The first one was good. I just watched it last week. Nice. Uh, Now I I can't think of anything right now. So. Yeah, because everything you like is the best. It's all exactly. so good. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. it. All right. Question number six. Who is your favorite actor or actress of all time? All time. 
an actor or actress that you will not miss a movie that they're in, that they have done so many things that you love and enjoy? Mm. I don't know that there's an actor or actress that I will not miss a movie that they're in, but I don't know. I like Morgan Freeman quite a bit. Sure. Um, That's a great answer. Yeah, I like Morgan Freeman quite a bit. Ben, what about you? Um, you know, Bruce Willis has always been a really great actor. He was in, in, in 1997, he was in this really like low indie, indie film that not many people saw. Uh, it was, it was well, called I was Fifth Element. We talk about that, but I figured we'd say that for a different uh, podcast or something. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, he's, you know, through the 80s and 90s. Um, for sure. Obviously, Love Moonlighting. recently, yeah, yep. obviously, recently things have changed um, um sure well uh, you we obviously we've heard the news about bruce willis and whatnot but i just watched a trailer for some movie that he's in yeah that's coming out and he actually looks like he is actually doing a good part in this movie oh, yeah, yeah and i, I was like through a whole thing of like really cheap movies where they're basically yeah. shooting him his lines yep um but, and yeah, this might be one of those also but at least from the trailer i was like oh it looks better than a lot of the other Bruce Willis stuff I've seen recently. Yeah. Uh, him and uh, it's it's a lot of big name older people. Oh man, I, I just watched the trailer this morning and I can't remember the name of it. But I whatever. saw it the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jason. Question number seven. Who is your favorite movie director of all time? Uh, Justin Lin. It, could it be? I don't know. That's. A, I mean, you know, I do talk about Justin Lin quite a bit. You talk about Justin Lin a lot. I do talk. I, it's because I like Better Luck Tomorrow so much, and um, I, I can't. But I can't say he's my favorite director of all time. Okay. Damn. I um. God, guilty pleasure. It, should, it could be Paul Verhoeven. I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's just so fucking. He's fucking nuts. He is. Um, I don't know. Ridley Scott does some good stuff. For sure, um, it's probably. But if I if I were to say like this person directed a movie, so I'm gonna go see it because they directed it. It's Wes Anderson, and I didn't okay. even like the French Dispatch that much, but I knew I, I wanted see to go it. see it because it was a Wes Anderson film. So I guess maybe him. Okay, yeah. Ben, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm not a go see a movie because of a certain director type of person, so I don't really have one okay. like an all time favorite. Um, Luke I do Bassan. like Sam Raimi. Luke Besson. Yep. What's that? <laughs> Luke Besson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what um. I meant to say. We'll go with that. Oh uh, no, Sam Raimi movies are really good. Right on. You know uh, what? So Why do people forget about Drag Me to Hell? Why do people forget about that movie? Because Drag Me to Hell is fantastic. Drag Me to Hell is one that I do remember liking, but I honestly can't sit here and tell you like anything about the movie. I know I watched it and I remember liking it, but oh, I literally have no memory of it. To hell. She she spends her whole movie mm-hmm. going through crazy ass shit to keep from getting dragged to hell. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, she gets fucking dragged straight to hell. Yes, she does. And it was <laughs> awesome. Like the minute that shit happened, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, yes, shit. I do remember that. <laughs> All right, question number eight. Who is your favorite movie character of all time? And I'm assuming it's Corbin Dallas. <laughs> Multi-pass. Uh, favorite movie character of all time. Optimus Prime. Well, 
Uh, no, because he's been he's been not so great in some of the movies that he's sure. been in. That that whole last night shit where he had purple eyes and he's like, you remember who I like? Oh god, um, what a bad movie. Yeah. Um, god, actually better is, than the one before it though. Extinction. Yeah. I don't know. They're both so very, very bad. <laughs> They're just so bad. Was the fourth um, one the pyramid at the end? No, no that that's was the, the second, second one. one. That was oh. the second. Oh god, I get them all confused. Oh god, the fucking racist character. Oh, <laughs> yep. the fucking twins that look like monkeys, and one of them had a gold yep. teeth, and the other one said he didn't read good. I was like, <laughs> come on! Like I know there's a fucking writer strike, but somebody. Did you ever see? Do you ever see the how it should have ended for that one? Yes. Oh, it's so it's so yes. perfect. Yes, absolutely. Well, I don't watch. You wouldn't do anything racist. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it was bad. Oh, favorite movie character that is. It's RoboCop. Nice, very good answer. RoboCop one. It's RoboCop. I think it is. Or it could uh, be Ellen Ripley. Oh, that's okay. a good answer too. That's a great answer. Maybe it's, I think I actually prefer Ellen Ripley. I'll, I'll say Ellen Ripley. Okay, Ben. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna shock you. I'm gonna say um, Morbius. I haven't seen it. Um, Morbid Dallas. <laughs> Mormon Dallas. All right, that's what I assume. I thought I, I seriously, when you said Morbius, <laughs> what went through my head was Morpheus, and I was like, "That's a pretty solid pick." And then, and then <laughs> Big Mike started laughing, and I was like, "Oh, he actually did say Morbius." <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number nine, Jason. What is your favorite movie snack food? Oh, uh, sweet tart ropes. Nice. It's the best candy ever made. I, I, I enjoy them very much, too. Ben, what do you eat when you're at a movies? Popcorn? Popcorn. We, we've, allowed, we've allowed other people to use that answer, so that's, that's okay. Butter. All right. Oh, then the last question, my favorite question of all 10 of them, Big Mike. If Hollywood were to make the Big Mike movie, who would play Big Mike? You already know the answer to this. Who would be I, I do. Guess? Dennis Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert. You know? Actually, no. Okay. Actually, no. But Michael Clark Duncan. I mean, that nigga dead. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, he's dead. Uh, I was gonna say Craig Robinson. <laughs> oh, I love that answer too. Oh, I love that answer for sure. Yes, that is that is far superior to my answer. Yes, Michael yes, Clark yes. Duncan, if he was still alive. <laughs> Maybe. It might Maybe. Be Craig Robinson's better. I think Craig Robinson could nail you and the humor yeah. and the comedy. Like he, he is a very talented person. That is a beautiful yeah. answer for that. Ben Grigsby, Hollywood is making the P Funk film. Oh. Who plays Ben Grigsby? Well, I don't know this. Um, I will tell you of an experience I had Chris when Tucker. I was younger. Um, <laughs> I went to a bank, and the teller turned to the other teller and said. Oh, he's, he looks like that one guy from that movie. Um, uh, remember the Titans? He looks like that one guy. And she said, oh. yeah, kind of, but the other guy's a lot cuter. Um, so I guess a young Ryan Gosling. Oh, I think okay. Is what she was trying to compare me to, which obviously, no. no. No, you look like the other, the other part of Left Side, Strong Side. The dude who was on Sons of Anarchy. You actually look like that dude. Okay. But okay, like uh, Ryan, Ryan Hurst? Ryan, yes, that's what I mean. Ryan yeah. Hurst, yeah. Him. I can give yeah. you that for sure. I can see that. Wow. 
Uh, so, Ben, in the P-Funk biopic, who is playing Big Mike? Chris Tucker. What was it? Tiny? What was the guy from the Tiny Lister? Oh, Tiny Lister. The President of the Galaxy? Yeah, that's a better one. Oh, man. On behalf. <laughs> oh man thank you guys so much for being a part of this this was a blast tonight i loved talking star trek i loved having both of you guys on here with jason and i it was so much fun thank you i look forward to seeing you guys hopefully sooner than later in person uh as this covid thing seems to apparently maybe be over oh that is a beautiful background you have now good sir the line must be drawn here <laughs> no further. I almost made that my quote. And he goes and breaks all the ships, yeah. man. Yeah. I almost like... made that my quote too. I almost did. Right yeah. on. Well, guys, thank you so much for everything. I really look forward to seeing you guys soon in the future. Ben is apparently going to be teleporting out to go to war, and yeah. So thank you, guys. I'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks. Later. Thanks, man. Good time.